I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern-day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. This episode came close to not happening. I have no doubts that the devil does not want this information about the watches of the watchmen or the prayer watches to be documented and to go out into the public domain. Why? Because the enemy attacked me viciously this past week in an attempt to prevent me from attending my duties. It was a failed attempt. And this is what happened. I got up Friday morning, December the 8th, like I always do. I went out to my shop and turned on the heater and prepared to work on a closet organizer that I'm building for my daughter and granddaughter. After the heater was turned on, I gathered some things that I needed and returned to the house for a cup of coffee. I noticed a slight twinge of pain in my lower right abdomen. Thought nothing of it. I'm an old man and aches and pains are common in this stage of life, especially first thing in the morning. But I feel some knot holes in the bracing that I had built for the organizer and noticed that the pain was getting a little worse. Still didn't pay it a whole lot of attention, so I went upstairs to locate some studs in the walls of the closet and take some final measurements so I'd know where to drill holes in the bracing for the attaching screws. By this time, I was aware that something was definitely not right, and I made mention of it to my wife, Cheryl. Well, she goes on high alert. She knows it is not my usual practice to complain about pain or ailments. At 9.30, we made the decision that perhaps I should go to the emergency room at a local hospital. Once in the emergency room, blood samples revealed that there was a major source of infection. White blood cell count was 22,000 plus. But I was experiencing increasing right lower quadrant pain. Appendicitis was suspected. A CT scan was ordered, and the CT revealed an appendix that was swollen and malformed. I was slated for emergency surgery. I awoke from the surgery and was taken to a room for overnight observation. It was a restless night. I got up out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning at the beginning of the fourth watch and walked the halls of the hospital unit praying and praising God but I still didn't have the whole story. A doctor came in Saturday morning around 8.30 and was amazed that not only had I been out of bed, but I had gotten out of bed without assistance and had been walking about in the hallways. He told me that the appendix was in exceedingly worsened condition than was suspected and would have probably perforated and ruptured if I had waited another day before seeking medical attention. White blood cell count is still over 20,000. And I was and still am on some antibiotics for infection. But he couldn't understand why I had not experienced more pain than I had claimed. Nor could he understand how I was able to get up without assistance, much less walk about in the halls as I was doing. Initially, he had told Cheryl and I that I would be released Saturday morning. 
but because the condition of the appendix was much worse than he thought, he suspected that he would have to hold me over for several days. What he found when he made his rounds that morning was an old man up and walking, determined to go home. Needless to say, I was released. Well, I'm home now, and I'm doing well. I am somewhat sore and moving a little slower than I normally do. And I have to be careful not to lift anything over 20 pounds or more for the next several weeks. And I don't think I'll have to worry about that since I have a house full of women watching over me who have no qualms telling me what I ought and ought not to do. But I am still the old watchman. I'm still on the wall. I will not relinquish or abandon my post. And that's about all I have to say about that. Let's go on to more important things like what God said about these watches. In this discussion, we are talking about the third day watch from noon until 3 p.m. John, chapter 4, verse 6 reads, And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. You know, I'm amazed at the specific times and very specific dates in the Bible, so much so that I cannot help but think that those times and dates are significant. After all, God had to have a reason to document a specific time or date. When dates and times are documented, recorded, or marked by God in His Word, I tend to sit up and begin paying attention. What happened at that date, on that time? What was going on in the nation of Israel? Were they obeying God and prospering? Were they hardening their necks in disobedience? Was God making promises or pronouncing judgments? If he was pronouncing judgments, could those judgments have been avoided? You see, I like asking questions. I'm a question-asking fool. I like digging for answers. Most of the time, I find answers to my questions. And those answers are found in the Bible mostly. In finding answers to questions, I read a lot in the Bible. The more I get into the Bible, the more the Bible gets into me. It's how I discovered these watches. I read something in the Bible that caught my attention and I began asking questions. I found the answers by plowing the fields of the Bible until I unearthed the answers. That's what I do. I ask questions and seek answers. It just so happens that this third day watches where we are in this moment in our discussion. Remember last week, I gave you Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. Well, that reads, Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. From the sixth hour at noon until the ninth hour at three o'clock, darkness fell upon the land. Why do you suppose that happened? I've heard and read several ideas put forth. One thread of thinking is that Jesus was the light of the earth. At the end of this watch, in the ninth hour, Jesus gave up spirit and died. When Jesus died, the light of the earth died. And for three hours, a full watch, darkness fell over the land. No, I don't believe that. Because when Jesus died, the destruction that was rightfully ours came to an end. For the light of Jesus destroyed that destruction, and the gloom of the destruction that was upon the earth 
manifested itself in darkness for three hours of the third day watch. Another notion that has been put forth is that the cosmos God created was so saddened by the death of Christ on the cross that the sun hid its face for three hours. Again, that's still a full watch. And I can't help but wonder if there might be a little truth in that explanation. But I present a different option. The way I see it, and this is just my opinion, mind you, everyone has opinions and gets to express their opinions whether I want to hear them or not. So I'm going to play the quid pro quo card and give you my opinion. The way I see it is this. The Bible tells us that Satan attempted Jesus three times. As a matter of fact, each time Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus replied using Scripture, Old Testament Scripture. I guess that shows that the Old Testament still has some power against Satan as well. But every time Satan would attempt to tempt Jesus, Jesus would answer, It is written. Do you see the devil that he couldn't handle Jesus while Jesus lived? But what about a dead Jesus? Could Satan handle the corpse of the Son of God? Well, that old devil's pretty sharp, but he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. And I can't help but wonder, when Jesus died on that cross, if the devil wasn't thinking. I've got him whipped now. I can't help but wonder if he didn't want to do a little celebrating to the point that it darkened the sky. After all, the light of the world had been extinguished, or so Satan thought. Now remember, the devil is not omniscient or all-knowing, nor is he ever-present, and he is certainly not all-powerful. But I expect that he may have gotten a little carried away and started a big party to celebrate the death of his enemy. And I suspect, if that were the case, that the world would have been a dark place. Now let's look at something. This watch is three hours long. Jesus died during this watch. When did Jesus arise from the tomb? Some say three days. The Bible states his followers returned in three days and found an empty tomb. But let's look at the context that I'm presenting for a moment. There are three hours of darkness, doom, gloom over the land. On the third day, an empty tomb was discovered. Three hours. Three days. Is there a connection there that may have been forgotten? As of yet, I don't know. But I would like to have seen the look on Satan's face when Jesus showed up and demanded the keys to death, hell, and the grave back and took those keys off Satan's belt. The third day watches a time when the sun is at its brightest. Could it be the heaven's light is brightest at this time? Acts chapter 26 verse 13 reads, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. Could be. However, it's also a time when destruction comes not only at the hands of the enemy, but in judgment. Jeremiah 15 verse 8 reads, Their widows will be more numerous before me than the sand of the seas. I will bring against them, against the mother of a young man, a destroyer at noonday. I will suddenly bring down on her anguish and dismay. It was seen that midday is the brightest time. 
but it also seems that midday is a time for destruction that God allowed to teach important lessons. Thankfully, we find instruction in the book of Job of how we can avoid destruction. Pay attention. This is worth listening to. Job chapter 11, verses 13 through 20, it reads, If you would direct your heart right and spread out your hand to him, if iniquity is in your hand, put it far away and do not let wickedness dwell in your tents, then indeed you could lift up your face without moral defect and you would be steadfast and not fear. For you would forget your trouble. As waters that have passed by, you would remember it. Your life would be brighter than noonday. Darkness would be like the morning. Then you would trust because there is hope. And you would look around and rest securely. You would lie down and none would disturb you. And many would entreat your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail and there will be no escape for them. And their hope is to breathe their last. Now, if you'll recall in an episode that I did earlier in the year, you might recognize that passage as one of the ancient paths that I spoke of in reference to Jeremiah 6.16. No? Shame on you. No, I'll not pronounce shame on anyone. I'm just kidding about that. But if you don't remember ever hearing me talk about the ancient paths of Jeremiah 6.16, go back and find that episode. I'm not going to tell you which episode it is specifically. If you happen to listen to an episode that doesn't pertain to the ancient past, it's not going to hurt you any. But Job chapter 11 verses 13 through 20. That passage is definitely an ancient path that will lead you ultimately to Jesus and keep you there. There is a promise associated towards those who choose not to adhere to the ancient past. The Bible calls them wicked and enemies of the Lord. Psalm chapter 37, verse 20, it reads, But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. Now, I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that the world does not want you to conform to your identity in Christ. No, the world wants you to conform to the world. And there are times when not conforming to the ways of the world will bring about confrontation and perhaps some persecution. That persecution can lead to your destruction or death or loss of a job or loved one. But such was the case for me in 2021-2022 when I refused to comply with a mandate that all health care workers be vaccinated with a vaccine. You see, persecution is nothing new. It happened in the ancient days as well as it happens today. And let's look at Daniel. Daniel chapter 6 verse 13. Then they answered and spoke before the king Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction in which you sign, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Yep. Old Daniel prayed morning, noon, and night, just like the old bluegrass tune Daniel prayed says he did. I believe the Bible says so as well. But Daniel was not the only one praying morning, noon, and night. David did so as well. You see, Daniel and David changed the media landscape. They did not pay so much attention to the news media or what was going on around them. They faced circumstances much more dire than we face today, at least here in America. We don't face those dire circumstances. Not yet. 
But notice what David says in Psalms 55, verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice. It seems though David understood the praying through the watches as well. It was something that David passed on to Solomon. Notice in Proverbs 4, verse 18, But the path of righteousness is like the light of the dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Path of righteousness. Those are ancient paths. Again, they'll lead you to Jesus, and they'll keep you there. It will lead you not only to Jesus, but it will lead you to serve others. Isaiah knew and understood this. Isaiah 58 verse 10 reads, And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like midday. There's another ancient path. By loving others enough to serve them, your light will become brighter. It kind of goes back to what Jesus said. Love God, love your neighbor. That's simple. But there are warnings for those who choose to stray off the path, caring only for themselves and having no compassion towards others. Jeremiah 20 verse 16 reads, But let the man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew without relenting, and let him hear an outcry in the morning and a shout of alarm at noon. Now, a shout of alarm at noon is indicative of an attack upon the city. If it's a city, one that God overthrew without relenting, that it would indicate that the city or its inhabitants had strayed from the ancient paths and disobedience. Same can be said of individual today. This watch, the third day watch, is a watch to go into your secret place, your prayer closet, and pray to God, as we see Peter doing in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. There it is again, sixth hour, noon, midday. So let's see. Daniel prayed at noon. David prayed at noon. That's in the Old Testament. But here in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we see Peter doing the same. I wonder if it's any indication of what we should be doing. It seems that I've read somewhere in the Bible something about praying without ceasing. Why do you suppose that is? It could be that there is an assurance to be had in praying. In that assurance, you find peace and freedom from worry, dread, anxiety, and depression. What you see and hear around you no longer concerns you. Again, David knew this as he expressed in the 91st Psalm. Psalm 91 verse 5. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. Psalm 91 verse 6. Of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the destruction that lays waste in noon. Psalm 91 verse 14. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. And notice, David states he'll not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow, the attacks fly by day. He will not fear the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Like the inflamed appendix that was preparing eruption to early hours this past Friday. Nor will we be afraid of the destruction that lays waste at noon. 
at noon. That's about time CT results were presented confirming appendicitis requiring surgery for me. CT results confirming appendicitis but not presenting how truly close to rupture the appendix was. But because I love God, he delivered me. He set me securely on high. What does that mean? When one is faced with battle, whether it be in ancient days or in modern times, one seeks the higher ground or the highest position possible. Therein one has the greatest advantage in battle. Why would God do that for me? Because I have known his name, and I am not too proud, or nor am I afraid, to use his name. In this watch, we should be most careful not to be led into temptation or any trap or snare of the enemy. As I was on my way to the hospital ER this past Friday, I kept thinking to myself, I really don't need to do this. I need to go on into work this afternoon. It's not really hurting that bad. But what if I had not gone in to seek medical attention? What if the appendix had ruptured? I'd have slipped into sepsis. The surgery would have been done in an extended format. Hospital stay would have been a week, ten days instead of just overnight. The enemy tempted me to ignore the warning symptoms and brush it off. And there will be those who say that my faith is weak and God should have healed me on the spot without ever seeking medical attention. And that's true, God could have done that, but he didn't. And it was not because my faith was weak. God allowed Satan to attack Job to a far greater extent than I was attacked. The issue with Job was to show Satan that Job was faithful to God, not because God had given him everything. Job was faithful to God because God was God. Satan's attack on Job did not destroy Job's faith. It strengthened it. And I'd like to believe that the same applies on my account. My faith is strengthened. Why do you think that I was up eight hours after surgery, walking the halls of the hospital, praising God and praying? Here's another ancient path for you. Listen. Listen with a discerning ear. Psalm 92, verses 6 through 7. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this, that when the wicked sprouted up like grass, and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forever. You see, I'm a just and righteous man. I don't say that to boast other than to boast in the Lord. God gave me a Savior who is just. He is just to uphold my righteousness, and he is just to judge the wicked. Isaiah chapter 7 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, is the sign. He is the manifestation of the promises of God Almighty. Therefore I can practice what is written in Psalm 91 when it says, you will not fear the destruction that stalks at noon nor the arrow that flies by night. The destruction will not get you, the family, the church. The mystery of the Most High will speak to me and through me. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel, and you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. 
Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.